Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. You know what that sounds like to me? What's it sound like? It's Wes. Sounds like any artist out there that want to be an artist. Want to stay a star and don't have to worry about the executive producer being all in the videos, all in the records dancing. Come to death row. That's what that sounds like to me. And Walker, uh, I take it by your blank expression, you might not be very familiar with that quote. Wes, I'm not going to lie to you. I have no clue what you're talking about. It's one of the most famous in your hip-hop head. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. I I'm even knew uh, that. I'm, I'm sure you did. <laughs> Walker said last football Friday of the year. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Checking out that text line, 704-570-9610. Mint Hillbilly has it right with some of the props that we want for later. What will Usher's first song be? I don't know if that's what Shroppy's going to come back in here with. Walker, do you have an early guess of what you think that's going to be. So I I guess I don't know the game like that. Do you come out with the biggest hit and just get everybody jumping immediately? Mm-hmm. Is there any kind of work up to the biggest hit? Because we know Usher's got some slow ones out there now. He does. So if that happens, then do you just slowly build up to the big hit? I, I would basically, if I had to put money on it, I'd yeah. probably go yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's going to be... A big choice by everybody. If I had to pick yeah. one, I could see him. Yeah, I could see him working into that more so in the middle. If I had to pick a song just off the top of my head, I know it's going to be something probably bouncy to get everybody going. My vote right now is between You Ain't Got a Call or. See, I thought about that, but that's like also, I don't know, a little too RB. Maybe kind of, sort of, but it's got but that I, bounce. I love yeah, it's got that bounce that people look for, but other one is a uh, bad girl. I was thinking Bad Girl. Bad Girl kind of fits that Vegas vibe mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And him come out with those guitars. That, da, 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 For sure. Yes, yeah, so I can see that. So I'm going to go with Bad Girl. I'll pick one. All right. So uh, Yeah, it's lame. But I can't. It's what I I, I should have picked something different. But I feel, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's not a bad choice. I mean, that to me, yeah. that would be an obvious. The lowest, it's the lowest odds. <laughs> I'm not going to get a big payout. All right, that. baby. Let's go, though. It is Super Bowl weekend. But we've got college basketball as well. Some big games. And it's time to go to the Kona. Campus Kona, that is. All right, let's get down to slate. We got a lot of games to get to. I'm going to hit you with a matchup and a storyline, and we'll briefly discuss it before moving on. The Tar Heels, Fitty. Losers of two of three are going to go down to Dade County and take on the Miami Hurricanes. Do we feel like North Carolina, the early schedule, they played all those tough games, then the schedule lightened up. Then that's when they decide to have a little bit of a losing streak. Do we feel like going to Miami is going to be a tough game for the Tar Heels on the road? Yeah, it's going to be tough because Miami needs a win just to even get themselves back in the tournament conversation. But if this team is what we think this team is, considering how broken Miami has looked, you scored 38 on the road the other night at Virginia. 
then Carolina's got to be able to bounce back. You're the fifth oldest team in the country. You've got a 25-year-old in your starting lineup, and you need to win. You need to respond um, because, to me, I think this is a swing game. If Carolina wins this game and they get status quo, they probably reestablish themselves and they go on to win an ACC regular season title. If they don't win, this thing could could get out of hand and they're not in danger of missing the tournament. But all that good luck that they built up in the beginning of the season could all go out the window and this could be a wasted season. I think North Carolina rolls. Mm. I hope so. I do. Knock on wood. I'm sorry. A flounder just walked in here and he's not happy with me because now it feels like there's a little bit of a Mac turned male curse here on North Carolina saying they roll. But I do. That's a lot of talk about this team not being ready. Armando Baycott tells you that this team wasn't ready. Harrison Ingram tells you this team wasn't ready and shoot around. And now you have to go out there and you got to avoid losing three out of four. That would be a bad stretch, and that panic meter would go up a little bit. It would. Me and you, Wes, were about like three, four. You'd have to turn it up after a loss to Miami, even if it is on the road. But the other thing that's working against the Canes is the fact that they're not very good. What have they done to show me that I should put any sort of faith in their basketball program? is a great coach, but this year it hadn't worked out for him. Like, Miami's not good. And so I'm not going to, well, they're not, they're not even a tournament team right now. They need this game to get back on some kind of tournament projection. So I don't know why I should believe in the Canes, North Carolina, still a good team. And I'm not all the way panicked on them. Give me North Carolina in like a 15 or more win tonight. Uh, give me the Canes at home after getting embarrassed by Virginia. I think this is going to be an angry bunch. They're still fifth in the ACC in scoring, and they didn't score a lot of points against Virginia. I just think off law averages alone, they're going to get back on track and start hitting those shots. I think they're going to put the pressure on North Carolina offensively. Give me the Canes at home and the Hills starting to question themselves wow. as we go back through the back end. How of great of a weekend we would it be through. for you? If all of your predictions <laughs> are know, coming true. I because then I'd be... <laughs> Yeah, I would be upset. No bias, though. No yeah, I'd bias, be upset. Though. I'd be like, dang, man, because if, if if this happened in Carolina, I'd be like, uh-oh, maybe my luck might run out Sunday. Yeah. All right, North Carolina State and Wake Forest. This is a big game for both of these teams. NC State loses to Pitt earlier in the week. The Demon Deacons have been rolling, winning two straight games by 20-plus points. Give me the Wake Forest Demon Deacons at home to really, really put the question marks on Coach Keats and that program. Coach Keats is my man, but I think the Demon Deacons are rolling. We know they're undefeated at home. Give me Wake Forest. I'm going Wake Forest, too. I think Wake Forest. Have you seen your Ken Palm rankings here lately? I have. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> Ken Palm, <laughs> they're seeing something that nobody else is right now. And, and and I don't even know if that's true, to be fair. We know Wake Forest is talented. We know offensively they can score with anybody. If they're hitting they threes. They just got to keep proving it. Yeah. It, it's all about their defensive intensity. Can they defend? And if they can't, then they're vulnerable. But if they can, then it's really tough to keep uh, up with Wake Forest, and especially with Monsanto coming around again. Um the three-point percentage still has to be there, but Wake Forest is real talented. I'm still going to roll with the Demon Deacons. Joshua? Um, oh, if, if, if Wake Forest loses this game, yeah, we're going to have a, have to have an honest conversation about Steve Forbes moving forward. I know. I, think, I know. You're right. I think Wake blows NC State out. Wednesday was probably the beginning of the end of Kevin Keats. He's not a winner. Those players aren't winners. They're going to turn into quitters. Stay or Wake by 90. <laughs> All right, Boss College at Duke. I mean, I got Duke big in this one. I think they handle business. I don't think this one's ever in doubt. 
Same thing for me. And you said this one's in Duke? Yes. I was going to say because, or in Durham, I should say. But the reason I was asking is because I was wondering if Fitty was going to give us the Chestnut Hill thing again. Oh, yeah. Going in a hot, tough of an environment. It's always tougher when the Hills play. There, I do you know? I do like Fitty. Fitty is, is so ingrained in college athletics. And yeah. I love it because <laughs> some of his analysis will often feature, you know, you got to go up to put destination here and like he'll save the town and i love that about fitty like <laughs> that is pretty it's, good. it's so college athletics and yeah. so that's what i love about it i agree with you though i think duke wins all right fitty what you got yeah i mean look it's gonna be tough to ask boston college to go into the yes. devil's basement and come out yes. with a win uh you know duke controlled the game the other night against notre dame i don't think we'll be saying anything special about duke's win over boston college but i do expect i do expect the blue devils to roll all right clemson goes to syracuse syracuse coming off a beat down earlier this week. Uh, no, they they lost uh, the game they played this week, if I'm not mistaken. Regardless of the fact, Clemson coming off that big emotional win at North Carolina. Ooh, this one's tough. Give me Clemson on the road, but I don't feel great about it. I'm going to go Clemson, too. This is their time. Syracuse is on a four-game losing streak. They're not playing yes, well. Yes, that's I figured. And even if it is on the road, this would be the time that the Tigers disappoint you. But I, I do like this team. I do think – I know people question Brad Brownell, and it's worthy because they're always on this bubble conversation, too. How many, how many of, like, the classic bubble coaches that you think of coached in the ACC? Is it just me, or does it feel like the ACC is chock full of them more so than any other conference that's ever existed? Because we can go to Seth Greenberg. Kevin Keats is there. Like, he's always on the bubble, and they've been out more often than they've gone in. But same thing with Greenberg. And now here we are with Brad Brownell once more. If they get in, it's like a 12 seed. Bayheim was like that the latter years of him being in the ACC. I think Clemson wins, too. Well, we got a little bit of something to watch before the Super Bowl comes on Sunday. Charlotte will travel to Temple. Can they shake off the stench of South Florida and that loss and get a win against Temple? Give me Charlotte on the road and a bounce back. I don't know if I'll ever pick against Charlotte again. <laughs> I'm picking Charlotte once more. The, the, I will say Charlotte was very uncharacteristic down the stretch here. The fact that they allowed South Florida to come back, it's usually them coming back from a 20-point deficit to win. They do all of the things that's right to win some of the games that you dig yourselves a hole in. So that didn't happen. I do expect that to get back on track against them. Pretty. Yeah, Charles going to travel to Temple and pray they get a win to keep themselves in the <laughs> AAC nice. race. I think they get it done. You did not ask me my opinion of Clemson-Syracuse, by the way. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. You, I'm, you can add that in, too. Playboy. I'll offer it right here. Brad Brownell, with two L's, capitalized at the end of his name, strikes again. Syracuse ends the losing streak at home, mm. and Clemson remains squarely on the bubble. Wow. Okay, and then you did you give your thoughts on Charlotte and Temple? Yeah, Charlotte wins. Thank okay. You. All right, Thank Toledo, App State. Answer prayer. Toledo, App State. Give me App State to get back on track. App State. This is for, I think, App State Charlie on the text That's line. That's saying something, too, because you know how I feel about App State. I think the Mountaineers win. Dustin Kearns, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know how much longer he's the in Boone. He's doing a yellow. great job. Fiddy, what do you think? That game's in Boone? Uh, yes. Yeah, holy Toledo. Uh, App State rolls. Uh, really quickly, team with the most approved this weekend. Give me the Tar Heels, man. Bouncing back, showing that they're not going to be the team that's going to slack off when they have some success. North Carolina's a good answer. You pick my favorite college basketball team outside of Charlotte, I'll pick your favorite basketball team. I think Wake. 
Okay. You can't I can come agree out, with that. Can't come out with a dud, man. Especially if we're having the whole honest conversation about mm-hmm. Steve Forbes. Honest conversation. That one's tough. Yeah, I mean, like, the Tar Heel fan of me wants to say Carolina, but I think the, the truthful answer is Wake Forest. Because if they lose this game, unless they win the ACC tournament, I don't see a pathway to them dancing in March. All right. Well, when we come back, Black History Sports Hero of the Week, we're going to talk more Julius Peppers as well, getting into the HOF. This is Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back, folks. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7. And this is your Black History Sports Hero for the Week. Now, we're going to watch the Super Bowl on Sunday, and we always get into who's announcing the game, what are they seeing, what is going on uh, with the broadcasters in the booth. So I'm going to tell you about the first black sportscaster in 1929, Sherman Jocko Maxwell. He was known mainly by his nickname, Jocko. Maxwell is widely believed to be the first black sportscaster in history. He began as a 22-year-old at WNJR in New Jersey and throughout the 1930s interviewed many of the biggest stars in the sport. He also was the public address announcer for the Negro League's Newark Eagles and would go on to become a prominent scholar on black baseball. Despite his many accomplishments, there were many times when Maxwell was not paid for his work by white broadcast outlets. His favorite athlete was Joe Lewis. His favorite sport was baseball with two favorite teams, the Yankees and the Cardinals. He thought Mel Allen was one of the best in his business. He loved hard work, and he never really drank so that he could fill his evenings with his radio broadcast. He did, however, smoke a pipe regularly. Maxwell's work opened up the doors for many people, even if they were not always aware of him. Much of what we know today about the Negro Leagues can be credited in part to the stories and records that Maxwell kept and shared for publication. Salute to Sherman Jocko Maxwell, the first black sportscaster, and he is your black history sports hero of the week. Two things. Jocko, phenomenal nickname. Second thing, if you smoke a pipe, instantly cool. Those are my takes. Yeah, man. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you're Jocko and you smoke a pipe, instantly cool from um I just don't even know like how else you can look as cooler than that guy. So shout out to Jocko. No doubt about that, man. And I'm, you know, I did the game Virginia versus Duke this year up in the broadcast booth, and uh, you know, doing the stuff I did with the Hornets and all that, man. And if it wasn't for uh, him and men like him, I would not be able. 
to do uh, what I do. So, like I said, salute to him. Now, moving back into the conversation of Julius Peppers, in case you guys didn't know, or in case you're just tuning in, he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame last night. His Pro Football reference page has even been updated with a nice big yellow Hall of Fame tab now. And you're talking about a nine-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, as you love to take, uh, bring up Walker, two-time All-Decade team. He was a mem- he was a member of the All-2000s team and the 2010s team. He was a Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2002. So, I mean, Julius Peppers getting in there, a tremendous moment for the Panthers. First full, you know, you could I guess you call him full-blooded Panther to go in there, even though he had a couple of stops before it was all said and done. But I would consider him a Panther, and I think that's the team that most people are going to think about when he goes in there. And that's what he's going to go in there as, correct? Because I know they can pick which team they want to go in the Hall of Fame as. It'd be hard to believe he wouldn't go in there as a Carolina Panther. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> that would hurt. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. He's like, yeah, put me in for the Bears. Yeah, playing just three years with Green Bay and then four years with Chicago and then him deciding with either one of those teams. You know what this conversation always reminds me of, though? It's when Greg Maddox went in and he didn't go in as strictly as an Atlanta Brave. And I think that's right. I think that's correct. And people were so mad at him. The Braves fans were because he also had ties with the Chicago Cubs. If that's correct, I just remember if even if he didn't do that, when the fact that he was thinking about it, Braves fans were furious. Peppers, like if he doesn't go in as a Panther, that would hurt for Panthers fans. All right. So the question is. I mean, I don't know how easy of an answer this is, but is he the GOAT Panther since he's the first to go to the Hall of Fame? Because, you know, you got a lot of Steve Smith fans out there. You got a lot of uh, Luke Keekley fans out there, Cam Newton. There are a lot of guys to pick from here, but is he, no question, the de facto greatest pepper? Uh, greatest pepper. I was about to say the greatest pepper. He the is. The greatest though. Panther of all time. Oh, no, I don't think he is de facto. I don't think he is immediately the best Panther of all time. Um, I mean, he did play a lot of his career somewhere else. And so he's still a Carolina Panther. Like you can still identify as that team member. But Steve Smith played here forever until, remember, the Panthers didn't want him anymore. Right? Like Julius Peppers, I think there is something to that, which is totally fine. Julius leaving to explore different scenery. Yeah, I completely understand it. I totally get it. But Steve Smith wanted to be here. And then remember, it was the blood and guts game. And Steve Smith wasn't thrilled with Dave Gettleman. And then there was a fractured relationship until Gettleman is gone. And now Steve Smith and the Panthers are cool again. But he goes to Baltimore and has a couple of good years, by the way. Like, he was good for them. But he played so long with this team. And played across, like, he was one of those guys, Wes. I think Jordan Gross is like this, too. Where you played with a couple of different eras. So you're there on the Super Bowl team. And you're a big-time contributor. You have the 05 Triple Crown season coming back from what was a devastating injury that kept him out after that first game that they played in 2004. And you know what? Cam Newton gets drafted, and Steve Smith is balling again after having to endure the Jimmy Clausen season. And then he goes to Baltimore before the Panthers have that success in 2015, and Steve Smith's not on the roster. I think Steve Smith is the best Panther of all time. And that's no disrespect to what my favorite athlete is ever. Like, Julius Peppers is probably my favorite athlete. I just think Steve Smith, regardless of what the Hall of Fame committee will say, mm-hmm. he's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. The fact that he was here longer than Julius Peppers and anybody else, 
the fact that he's one of the best receivers of all time. He's top 10 in a lot of different marks. I think Steve Smith, especially with the mood that he brings, what he embodies, I think that matters. Steve Smith is my best Panther of all time. Uh, yeah. I mean, Walker, you know you're my man. You know, when people hit you with that, you know something's coming. But I mean, you were uh, laughing. I respect. <laughs> no, no, no. I wasn't laughing like laughing at Smitty. But I just think I, I, I respect your opinion because we've had this talk before. But, you know, for my money, I think the conversation, and if there was to be a debate, it's going to be between Keekly or Pep because I think those are going to be the two guys that are going to be first ballot guys. And, yeah, you know, I think that Steve Smith will get in there eventually. And, you know, he may be a Hall of Famer to some, but at the end of the day, he didn't make the cut this year, even though I do think he's much deserving, and I think that he will get in. But, no, for me, I think the debate was settled uh, yesterday. Until Luke Kuechly gets in and we can have this debate again, uh, I think it's Julius Peppers. Uh, he played 10 seasons here. He had 97 sacks, 107 uh, tackles for loss, 89 quarterback hits, and the fact that he was a first ballot Hall of Famer two-time all-decade because – that's another honor that uh, Steve Smith does not have to his name as a member of the all-decade team. And I think that those two things, in my estimation, put him as the greatest Panther of all time. And I think it's it's great company. And that's not to say that Steve Smith isn't electric, isn't phenomenal, but I just think that Peppers, the accolades that he has, they're so hard to overcome. I mean, you're talking about he was the – among the greatest of the great. You know, you got great players, and then you got guys like Peppers and some of these types of players. So uh, let's go to the text line, see what people are saying uh, over here. Yeah, 704-701 says Luke or Peppers, but let's get some more text uh, going in here as they start to come in. They said 704-615 number says Smitty's only not in because there's a logjam at wide receiver for the Hall of Fame. He'll get in soon. But I still think that that's interesting, too, because we know how hard it is for receivers. But there's some receivers that didn't have to wait. Randy Moss was a first ballot. T.O. was a first ballot. So there were some of the guys that were his peers also. T.O. wasn't first ballot. I thought T.O. was first ballot. No, remember, because they didn't put him in. And that was a big conversation point. It was ridiculous. He should be, but he wasn't. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I stand corrected. This is is the thing, right? This is my soapbox. Mm -hmm. This is why I don't get it. The wide receivers don't get as much love, and I guess it's just because of the good old-fashioned football way of thinking. The closer to the football you get, the more it matters. And it's like, no, these wide receivers are incredibly impressive. T.O. doesn't get in because— He got in on his fourth go-round. Yeah, it was a long time yeah. that T.O. had to wait because people didn't like T.O.'s— ma- but, but to me, Wes, like, you're—to me, I think our disconnect— is you're putting stock into what the committee? I'm just like I'm done with what the committee is saying. No, it's not, and 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 it's not even just that. I just think that the the statistics that he put up, uh, his dominance amongst his peers, making those all decade teams, but just his dominance amongst his peers and the type of player that he was too. And yeah, I guess I did use a little bit of that criteria, but I do think first being a first ballot Hall of Famer has a stand for something. So for me, those numbers are are amazing. What Julius did. He put up a lot of that production with Chicago and Green Bay. Like, you're taking off a couple of Pro Bowls. You're taking off an all-pro appearance. And then he comes back to Carolina and helps us out again and deserves to be on this list. Like, he is, yeah, he's on Mount Rushmore. Yeah, it's fun debate. He's he's on Mount Rushmore. Steve Smith, well, no, you're, I just, Steve Smith played 13 seasons. Mm Mm-hmm. All but three of his years were played here, and that was not because he didn't. That's not because he wanted to leave. He wanted to stay, and it was Dave Gettleman 
who we all know as Panthers fans, not exactly thrilled with Gettleman after, yeah, he did the things to tie the loose ends to get them to a Super Bowl. But remember, it was Marty Herney who drafted and acquired a lot of those players and then did a nice job of filling in the gaps to get them to the championship game. But Steve Smith, having been gone right before that, think about how much Steve Smith might have helped if Dave Gettleman just would have kept him, right? Like, you know, that's a big deal. Plus, with the way that he embodies the keep pounding mantra as much as anybody out there, yeah, man. I, I think the relationship that he has with the fans, plus, I'll say this too. I remember going to training camp. I went to training camp as a fan probably two or three times. You know who was out there signing autographs longer than anybody else? It was Steve Smith, and that's true. Steve Smith was out there signing autographs as much as any Carolina Panther, and he was the best Panther on that squad from a longevity standpoint. It wasn't even close. I think if we are talking about this, a lot of that has to take place because now, okay, so many accolades forever. You know, you could say you balance the scales with the accolades Peppers have has with the accolades Smith has. So now, how much were you involved? What was that like at training camp? And to me, all of the boxes I can think of, I start to go to Steve Smith, and then we get to the big separator being the first ballot Hall of Fame vote. Monster deal for Julius Peppers. No brainer should be in. But to me, I think Steve Smith should be. And it's just this weird thing that they do with wide receivers that doesn't make any sense to me as to why he's not in. And I'm not going to let that affect where I put Smith on the hierarchy. Fiddy, what say you? What's your goat panther? How do you feel about this debate? Yeah, it's 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 pretty intriguing. I think when you look at Smitty, like he has maybe the best individual moments in the history of the franchise. The ex-clown catch against St. Louis in the playoffs. What he did at... What he did, what he did at Chicago Ryan, in that 2005 bad. divisional, his triple crown season, where he accounted for like 67% of, of Carolina's receiving yards. But for me, Luke Keekley is the best, the best person I've ever seen wear the uniform. He's the best middle linebacker I've ever seen outside of Ray Lewis. You look at that game against New Orleans in the downpouring rain on Christmas Eve, he had 24 tackles to, to, to beat Drew Brees as they won the division title here at home. Um, you know, he was as dominant a player I've ever seen play here. And so for me, I think he's the greatest to ever wear the black and blue. Yeah, Keekley also has that all 2010s team on his resume, five-time all-pro uh, as well in that defensive rookie of the year. So when we're talking about Steve Smith, or excuse me, when we're talking about Julius Peppers, and then going into the Steve Smith debate about Hall of Fame, I mean, how long of a wait do we anticipate I don't know. that he may have? I don't know. Um, it took T.O. 4 and some of these other guys. <laughs> Tory Holt, what is this, like six or seven for Tory Holt? I, I mean, yeah, it's – I just don't have any real answer. Like, so Andre Johnson should be in. I think Andre Johnson is an amazing Hall of Fame-level wide receiver and deserves to have his spot in Canton. If you compare his numbers to Steve Smith – they're pretty damn comparable. So what's the argument? That you just, was it the eye test? Okay, Andre was a freak show, no doubt about it. And Andre Johnson had the same quarterback problem, quote unquote. Like not bad QBs, but not, right, not Manning, playing with top not Warner, guys. Yeah. not some of these uh, other QBs that the other top-notch wide receivers were playing with. And so all of that matters. But Andre Johnson is getting in and Steve Smith isn't. And look, man, I'll tell you this, and this might spark a debate, mm -hmm. but... I have no problem with Devin Hester getting in. If you're the best at what you do, uh -oh. if you're the best at what you do, cool. Cool. Who made a bigger impact every single game? It was Steve Smith. And if Steve Smith can't get in, but Devin Ooh. Hester can, Ooh, that's then a that's a problem for me. Okay, so 
I'll, bigger impact game no, to game. I'll, I'll, I'll rock, kick out of bounds. No, I'll done. rock with you on that. But there's something to be said for what Devin Hester specialized that's why I said in being be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, being represented in the Hall of Fame. So that's my only thing. I agree with you a thousand percent. Uh, on that, Fiddy, I heard you making some noises back there too. Yeah, because uh, look, there's no denying from the wide receiver position, Smitty dominated Hester in a way that you know you can't even really talk. Yeah, no about. doubt, he wasn't an every down player. We know this, but but you literally like you literally were willing to give up field position because you didn't want him touching the ball. I mean, that impacts the game just as much as what you do as in terms of catching eight balls for 77 yards. No, it doesn't because what happens? You're giving up 40 free yards that wall. Here we go. Here or we go. 20 free yards, you know, depending on the time where you got the ball at the 20 after a touchback. If if you decide to punt. Or if you decide to, you know, or when you have or the kick, kick off. Yeah, when you have I'll the kick. I'll add to that Devin Hester is two-time all-decade, three-time all-pro, too. No, well, yeah, that's why I think he should be a Hall of Famer. But also, if we're going to compare him with what other people did as far as impacting the game, Steve Smith going out there and winning Triple Crown in 2005? Sure. I'm sorry. The fact that he was doing this for 16 seasons and didn't have anything under, what, 800 yards, even the last year that he played for Baltimore? 16 seasons. Now, to be fair, Hester played with Rex Grossman and Jay Culler, who's from Santa Stop Claus, it. Indiana. But, yeah, but none, of, but none of us thought of Hester as a Santa wide Claus. receiver. Like, we're not going to. I mean, he had 16 career receiver touchdowns, but and, none of us are arguing the receiver debate. And look, if we want to bring up kick returns, there are a lot of players that have more kick return for touchdown. There are. So you going to leave out punts? No, I'm saying kick returns. That's what we were talking about, right? Punt is what I was making the point of, and then Fiddy was saying, hey, and kick returns too. And you had to be worried about Devin Hester. He's got five. I mean, Cordero Patterson then? Like, if he's the best kick returner of all time. He wouldn't be a Hall of Famer if Arthur Smith would have utilized him. Yeah, but Big big Walk, that's hard (laughs) to leave out those 14 punt returns, though, man. Oh, no, but I'm not. What I'm saying is, Devin, like, this is also forgetting that I'm saying Devin Hester deserves to be a Hall of Famer. But when Fiddy brought up kick return, he brought up kick return, right? So are y'all saying kick return is all-encompassing? Because I think that's where the wives are getting crossed here. Because I think we should just leave it as 19 career return touchdowns and not call it kick and punt return so nobody gets confused. Which is confused. fine. Which is fine. I'm talking about impacting the game. Yeah. Steve Smith, there's just, to me, that guy is going out on the field every single time the offense takes the field. Sure. If you're kicking off, then you can just kick it out of the end zone just like everybody else does. Yeah, you had to worry about Hester, for but sure. But if that's the case, then Hester would never make it if the voters decided to go by that. He'd never get in. I'm not arguing that he shouldn't be in. I'm arguing that Smith should be if we're going to put Hester in. That's what I'm saying. Oh, so you're saying that... I've, I've never... Like, I've been trying to... I've been trying to lay that as the caveat the entire time. But here, Hester should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Hester is in. Cool. Now that he's in... I'll include Andre Johnson in. Smitty should be too. Yes. That's my co- that's my comment. If we're putting Hester in, okay, he was great at what he did. That's fantastic. If we're going to talk about impact on the game as well, then there is just no argument that you can kick to me that makes me feel Devin Hester had a bigger impact on the game than what Steve Smith did in 16 seasons. And do they just pick the because out of modern era players, I see five here. So do they just pick the five regardless? Because I'm wondering too, is there criteria of how many you could pick? Because I feel like every class you could go multiples at one position. So I wonder, do they have like 
you know, I just wonder what the criteria is, how they figure out which modern era players they want to pick, like based on position as well. Because, you know, like you said, well, they're, yeah. they're all deserving. I mean, they're they're all deserving. I mean, Hester's listed as a wide receiver. That's his last slash. And then you got Andre Johnson, but then you had Torrey Holt, Steve Smith left out. You could have voted both of those guys in as well. Then you would have had four receivers going. So I just wonder how tough that is and do they have criteria to differentiate uh, between the positions if you can only choose five guys out of the pool that you have. Yeah, I mean, so the rules are, I'm trying to look it up just so I am not saying So while you're looking it up, it. I'll just ask that we feel like there was, is Torrey Holt our number one snub? Because, I mean, there were, there were great players on there, including brief, his brief time as a Panther, Jared Allen, uh, was also a guy that was left off the ballot. Yeah, Reggie Wayne, also that would have a gripe, Rodney Harrison. And a lot of people thought that the biggest snub by far was Antonio Gates, who has the most receiving touchdowns for any tight end in NFL history. Uh, for my money, he would be my vote as far as who got snubbed in the uh, this Hall of Fame voting. I, all of them, but, and I understand, okay, well, we can't just put everybody in, man, this is, look, if you have to change the rules, then fine, change them. But this is what I hate doing is just prolonging the wait for some of these guys because it doesn't abide by whatever rules are in place for the NFL hall of fame. Even if we know those guys are hall of famers, like what case do you have? What's the case against Smith? What's the case against Tory Holt? Like, seriously, I'll wait. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what What are you going to kick to me that shows Tory Holden, Steve Smith, and those other guys, Antonio Gates? Show me the case for them not being in the Hall of Fame. So how do you think they should do it? Do you think that they should just – do you think they should expand the modern era players that can get in? Yes. If, if we are saying that there is this logjam and that doesn't allow some of these – clear Hall of Fame wide receivers to get in, then expand it. And no, people, I know what they're I know what I'm gonna hear because it's the age old, oh well, you can't just let everybody in. It mm. becomes the Hall of Very Good. Radio, sports talk shows, loves differentiating the Hall of Fame compared to the Hall of Very Good. But that's not what I'm telling you to do. I'm not telling you to try to decide if the Hall of Very Good players are deserving of Hall of Fame. No, clearly these guys are the best to ever do it. Let them in. Vote them in. Because now we're doing this weird thing where we prolong it for what? Why? If you can come up with a good answer, then great. But I haven't heard one yet. All right. Well, that is fantastic debate. I'm sure we may have that again before the show is over with. But when we come back, Matt Carroll joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. This is the Weston Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Peace up, A-Town. Troppy said he had more proppies for us about not only just Swelsey, but maybe we can get some Usher involved. And I went with Yeah to be the first song 
To be honest with you, I panicked. It was like me ordering at the very last minute on the Taco Bell value menu and the cashier telling me, hey, hurry up, order. And then I panic and just order whatever the box is that they're offering at that time. (laughs) And I just needed to put the order in. And that's what I did with, yeah, I like Big Cat Dan's answer on the text line, 704-570-9610. What's the first song Usher is going to play during the halftime show? He said, you make me want to. And I think that is an excellent choice. I think it captures both feelings of, okay, it's not just a straight up hardcore, let's get the party started, but it definitely has the capability to get the party started. And it's a little bit slower to where you have room to go up from there. So for me, great choice for Bye Bye Big Cat Dan. If I had a redo, I would go with that answer as well. I think if he does sing that, that's going to be somewhere in the middle as well, because I think you got to come out and get the crowd going at first. Then after a song or two, you can go into maybe some of the slower tempo stuff. I'm just trying to think of how many ballads have been sung on Super Bowl halftime. Oh, they've had the ballad bands. You can text us 704-570-9610 and let us know what you think Usher is going to play first during the halftime show. We got to get to Mad Carroll. He shared a lot of his thoughts in the NBA trade deadline. We're getting ready for Gerald Wallace night tomorrow night with the Hornets playing Memphis at the Spectrum Center. One of the best Bobcats. I'll say the best Bobcat of all time. Let's hear from Mad Carroll over at the Spectrum Center now. It's Walker Mail from Weston Walker here at the Spectrum Center after shoot around, having the chance to talk with Matt Carroll. You can hear him alongside Sam Farber for some of the Charlotte Hornets radio broadcasts here on Sports Radio. 92.7 WFNZ, Matt Carroll also having played with the Charlotte Bobcats once upon a time and now here involved as much as he is with the organization. Matt, thank you so much for the time, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. No, it's great to talk to you. I really appreciate it, man. And I I think real quickly, before we get to deadline stuff, it is NBA trade deadline day. I did want to talk to you about the way Brandon Miller is performing. Probably the biggest storyline surrounding this team, the biggest bright spot. How surprised are you? How impressed are you with the way that Brandon Miller is performing the way he has this last stretch? Yeah, so impressed with Brandon. Um, You know, I think back to the draft workouts, watching his workouts and watching Scoot Henderson, and you're kind of going back and forth. You know, who's going to be the next star? Who do you think's the better pick? Um, But I feel really good about what we selected here in Charlotte. And watching Brandon, you know, getting to know him as a person, number one, uh, has all the intangibles. You know, I've been really impressed with him as a professional, uh, as a young player, his work ethic, number one, his love for the game. Uh, And he has kind of a a fearless kind of competitiveness that when he gets in a court, he is ready to go and he's ready to compete against anybody. And what he's done as a late, as you mentioned, uh, has, has really been just so impressive. I mean, he's doing it against some of the best players in the league, putting up humongous numbers numbers uh it's been fun to watch so it's great to see brandon miller performing the way that he is but still you want to get some of those victories i still feel like it's great to see brandon miller progress what are some of the goals now even if it is still to win games what are some of the other goals you should be trying to go for yeah i think number one it's you want to see the young players develop in a positive way and number one they're getting great experience you know brandon obviously deserves to be on the court he's that talented as a young rookie uh and he's producing you know nick smith jr same thing getting experience seeing them develop get game experience number one and uh i think that's the goal you know obviously the wins are number one but when you don't have a win what's next you want to see your young players developing and they're getting a, a great opportunity this year as far as experience which i think is great and they're getting a full season on their belt which says a lot for their preparation for next year 
Totally agree. That's Matt Carroll joining us on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ out here at the Spectrum Center right after shoot-around. Matt, I did want to get into the Saturday game where the Hornets are going to be honoring Gerald Wallace on Saturday. We love Crash. I'm glad they're honoring a Bobcat despite their reputation of losing, but he mattered so much, man. What was Gerald Wallace like as a teammate? Yeah, uh, I'm really excited uh, for Gerald. You know, one, I I love playing with him. I mean, he was the ultimate competitor. I mean, he was he was fierce. He was fearless. Uh, he brought a type of tough, toughness and energy to every single game and practice that I respected. I learned from him, even though he was younger than me. Uh, but really, just loved being on the court with him because of how he played the game. He gave it a hundred percent every time he stepped on the court. Fans loved him, and it was exciting. You know, he was the type of player where it was dunks, it was block shots. Uh, momentum-changing plays. He was sacrificing his body, uh, but really was a treat to play with. Okay, so you were here for that 04-05 inaugural season. You're an original Bobcat, and Emeka Okafor was the number two overall pick. Like We just assumed he was going to be the guy. When did you realize, oh, okay, wait, this crash guy? Yeah, Gerald Wallace, he's the actual leader of this team. You know, there were some moments in the game, but I think when I first joined the team, um, a couple things he didn't practice. You know, I remember going for an, uh, a breakaway layup, uh, maybe a dunk, probably a layup, and he came in and he took off from the foul line and pinned it against the board, and I've never had anyone do that to me in my life. And I'm like, man, this guy athletically yeah. is different. Uh, so I think in practice he was proving to everybody that I'm kind of the guy going forward, so get ready. You mentioned layup but wait you had like four dunks <laughs> four and a half maybe five okay. yeah, yeah yeah about that however you want to slice it four and a half we can roll with that if you want to i'll give you the full five i saw you tweet one time about your dunk against orlando is that the most memorable uh, that was up there uh that was up there i think i had one against the san antonio spurs that i remember uh, on robert ori which you know some oh. basketball people might remember that name uh but we were teammates in san antonio then we got to charlotte i had a dunk in the half court and i look over to the bench and i see tim duncan tony Parker, Mono Ginobili just laughing because I got a dunk, number one. Well, and you had played with those guys anyway, though, right? That's right. Half the season, okay, my rookie yeah, season. Yeah. And uh, so they got a good good laugh out of that. But uh, I saved it every other year. I didn't want to give the fans too much, you Thank know, you. so I had to make it special when it happened. No, it would have been overwhelming. So we appreciate your generosity. Thank you for not dunking too much, Matt. Now, I did want to go to your favorite crash story, like a sneaky guy that had a lot out there. What was your favorite? Yeah, I mean, there's just when I look back on the years I play with him, there were just so many moments where I remember literally crashing on the court, going up for dunks, getting yeah. knocked down in one place, uh, getting concussions. The protocol was a little bit different back then. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have played the next game, but I think he probably did. Um, so I remember him when he'd get the ball at the top of the key. Didn't matter who was guarding him. They couldn't stop him going right. They're forcing him left, forcing him left. But he was so athletic and had such a great first step that he was going to get to that right hand. And just having a, playing with him, having a couple 40-point-plus games, uh, just having some games you look back like, wow, that was really impressive. Oh, he was insane defensively, like one of four NBA players ever to average two blocks and two steals in a season. No, he was crazy. Now, I did have one other question. Was he as crazy about candy as everyone said? It was unbelievable. We had a, a black bag full of everything from uh, Laffy Taffy, Sweet Tart, Sweetest <laughs> Fish, and it was on the bench. And this is back then where we, you know, the rules were a little bit lax. And so as soon as he'd come out of the game, which wasn't often, I was on the bench a little bit longer yeah. than him, we were in that candy bag and we are eating. But he loved it. He had it every time he came out. He's eating candy, this, that, whatever. And it was accepted. Nowadays, you get fine. You can't do it anymore. Yeah. But he was a big candy guy for sure. Well, it's amazing what you can get away with, too. Like looking like that and eating candy all the time, it's ridiculous. Well, that's what made be mad about him because he was the type of guy where like he didn't have to lift any weights but he'd step out of the weight room 
or onto the court and looked like he was lifting all day long. And I'm spending all day in there, and I could look nothing like this guy. So he's one of those dudes. Yeah, what a beast, man. What an absolute beast. This is Mad Carroll talking about Gerald Wallace. The Hornets are going to honor Bobcat Great. Crash Gerald Wallace on Saturday as they take on the Memphis Grizzlies at home at the Spectrum Center. Matt, I did want to ask you about it being trade deadline day. You were traded a few times, the last time being sent to New Orleans for Hakeem Warwick. Was that a surprise for you? And what's it like during this time when you feel like there is a chance you might be shipped to a different team? Yeah, it's a difficult time. You know, as a player, you're preparing during the season, especially during the season, harder than the offseason, to play a game. And on the back of your mind, you're thinking, man, I could get traded today. I could be on a new team wearing a new uniform. Uh, And so it is difficult mentally because you hear the rumors. You know, you try your best to block it out, not listen to it as everybody tells you to do. But it's a little bit tougher than that. And when it does actually happen, uh, it's tough. It's kind of like, you know, your your girlfriend breaks up with you, you know, or something like that happens. And you're just like, wow, this just happened. You got to accept it. And we got to move on. And it happens quick. You usually have about 24 hours to report to your new team. So when I got traded to Dallas, uh, I think that was back in January and uh, maybe around 2009 or so. Something like that. Something like that. And, um, you get that call. I'm going. I was driving to the game, and then you get the call. Say, hey, you're going to Dallas, and then Dallas calls you. Says, welcome to Dallas. We can get you on a flight tonight to come in and play tomorrow. And you're thinking, oh, I got to tell some people. I got to tell my family yeah. what's going on. So yeah, I imagine that was hard, and I imagine too, like even if it was difficult without social media, now when players find out on Twitter before they even get a phone call that they're traded, I imagine that has to be hard as well. Matt, also you were bought out as soon as you were traded to New Orleans. Then you were bought out as a player. Also, what's that? process like and what are you going through at that time yeah you kind of trust the advice from your agent and and kind of the motive behind getting the buyout at least in my situation was you want to get bought out then you can maybe pick another team that's a better fit for you uh, hoping you're going to get signed but it doesn't always work that way you know so you take the buyout you give some money up but you get to pick a team maybe you can sign with as a free agent Uh, but then again things change right more deals happen and things can change quickly in this league so uh, it's kind of tough because you go from being a part of something to next thing you know you're not even on a team and you're wondering where's my next step where's my next home where's my next teammate and uh, you know it's a challenging time that was Matt Carroll joining us via the Body Works Plus guest hotline here at the Spectrum Center after shoot around talking about trade deadline day and getting ready for post All-Star break former Bobcat also talking about Gerald Wallace and uh, the Hornets celebrating him on Saturday night at the Spectrum Center against the Memphis Grizzlies so they'll honor Crash a Hornets legend and go out there and purchase your tickets at Hornets.com or any Anywhere you get your tickets. Matt, we appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. Walker, you got it, man. Thank you. Thanks to Matt Carroll, who understand what it's like to get traded and bought out. We'll see what happens with Kyle Lowry, and then we'll tie the loose ends on what happened after trade deadline day. We have one more hour to go. Coming up next, it's the Live Wire, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.